Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of UX Cake. Today, I am talking about UX strategy sprints with a business leader in UX, Craig Nishizaki. Now, the term UX strategy gets defined in many different ways by experts across our discipline. Uh, Some people even say that UX strategy doesn't exist. That um, basically that UX strategy is business strategy or is product strategy, which conceptually I get that, but the term and the practice of UX strategy is actually incredibly useful and it's, and it's necessary to communicate the difference between the big picture of a holistic user experience, which is strategic, from the tactical aspects of designing page flows and wireframes in UI. Now, I like to define UX strategy at its simplest, highest level as identifying business objectives and user needs to create a vision that aligns those two things. And while that might sound simple, actually getting to that vision for a product or service is anything but simple. My guest today is Craig Nishizaki, and he's the head of business for UpTop a user experience design and development agency based in Seattle. Now, what makes Craig's perspective here so valuable is that he's coming from the business side of UX, and he spent the last 12 years honing his understanding of the value of UX, and not only that, but how to convey that value to the business leaders who are making the decisions to help them create change and innovation and impact for their organizations. I know UX practitioners can learn a lot about conveying the value of what we do by learning the language of our business partners. And I'm really grateful to Craig for coming onto the podcast to share his business wisdom with us. Hi, Craig, and thank you so much for joining us on UX Cake Podcast. Hi, Lee. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today about UX strategy. And um, I'm especially excited to talk to you with your perspective because you're in a position where you are often um, from an agency kind of perspective, you've got to sell these concepts, right? You have to sell UX in general, but then UX strategy, gosh, that's another level of like, getting people on board. And so I think this is going to be a really fantastic conversation um, for, for the audience to learn a lot. So I hope so. Jump in. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm sure actually I should say, I am sure it will be. So anyway, like just to kind of, before we dive into, you know, doing UX strategy sprints and you know how people can sell those within their organization. I would love to hear from you. I love how you explain this. I've heard it before. So I would love to hear how you define UX strategy. Uh, so my perspective um, is a little different. So my perspective comes from the business side of UX, right? Um, and over, I, I got into the industry in 2009 um, doing new business development 
and coming out of uh, working in high tech sales and sales leadership and consulting and all that. And so as I look at strategy, I'm looking at it um, a little bit differently than maybe a a practitioner of UX would. So um, this might be helpful. So from the business side, what I've seen is uh, oftentimes designers are uh, blind to the business implications, the constraints, the politics, the nuances from a business perspective when they're designing things or on their or on their project. And then the business leaders um, oftentimes don't realize the uh, value of involving UX um, in the strategy phase to help them define the product vision and get alignment. Um, and then on the engineering and technology side, Uh, I've seen them in in many cases look at design as just making things pretty or looking at the UI and not really thinking about um, the impact uh, of the uh, UX um, uh, design strategy on, you know, workflows, backend systems and data and what needs to be interacted with to actually make that experience come to life. And um, because of that, I think that's really um, how, how I've looked at strategy for UX being uh, if it was a Venn diagram with each of those groups as one of the circles, um, where UX strategy, UX leadership, and um, and value all are right at the center where those three circles overlap. And the more that you could pull those three together, the larger impact, the higher value, uh, and the, uh, the more impactful strategy that you can create, uh, keeping the end user, the customer in mind, right? And so that's my perspective on what you know, UX strategy is and, and the value of it is really sitting at the center of those three disciplines or organizations or however you want to look at them within a business and helping them to frame the problem, uh, keeping the customer or the end user that it could be an employee, a buyer, a customer, a partner, a member, whatever you define, uh, framing the problem properly uh, from that context, um, aligning on the vision, um, getting executive buy-in, and then creating a roadmap with prioritization um, as an outcome or an output for that. Yeah. I think you spoke to this a little bit, but kind of a little bit more specifically, tell me a little bit more about who your audience is. Who are you speaking to when you're talking about, um, you know, this is something that could really benefit your organization? Who are those people? I look at our ideal customer as um, a senior leader um, that's typically a change agent or a visionary. Um, They have an idea they think will have a material impact on their business. And um, through this process, we help them articulate that vision and bring it to life. And in, uh, if you think about it in terms of what does that look like or who is that person, it could be um, uh, an executive level uh, person on the business side that has come into an organization, sees some opportunities for, for improvement or sees some friction points in the journey, um, sees some uh, potential for innovation and they're trying to get a vision cast and uh, need to get executives on board. It could be somebody that's on the product uh, uh, or on the research side um, that's been tasked with trying to, trying to um, move the needle this year or trying to improve an experience this year. And uh, they don't have a team necessarily attached to them and they need some horsepower, some, some additional expertise to be brought in. Um, and in some cases, it could be even an, a leader on the IT side or on the technology side that has seen projects come to a grinding halt and they're trying to get them unblocked. 
And part of the reason for them being blocked is they've either had projects that have gone over budget or over um, over time and schedule, and um, the interest has died off on them or the commitment to them has died off, but they're still important. And so they need to kind of level set and restart. And by bringing in an outside in perspective to help with that, and then really crystallizing the vision again, uh, or crystallizing the vision for the first time, in some cases, um, you're able to help get things unblocked and moving. Mm -hmm. All of those sound really familiar situations to me. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you're in, when you're building products or you're in organizations for any amount of time, I think you see these sort of themes happen over and over. Current patterns. Yeah, exactly. And we will, I I definitely want to get a little bit later. I want to get to, you know, how can, uh, cause I think you have great insights on this too, but selling this from within, you know, it's one thing to come in as a consultant mm-hmm. and, or be hired as a consultant, <laughs> right. Um, to sell this, but like, how do you do that from within? But before we get there, I want to talk just a little bit more about, you know, kind of the purpose for it. Let's say I am ex business leader and I've got one of, you know, I'm in one of these buckets you just sort of mentioned. How is a, this might end up leading to having to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what it is, but how is having a UX strategy and then kind of like, how is this UX strategy sprint really going to help me meet my business objectives? Like, and, you know, isn't that just like, I need a business strategy, right? Like wh- why, why do I need a UX strategy? Yeah. I think if you think about all the organizations that you've been a part of, in most cases, the business strategy is defined and brought to bear. And then everything, uh, everyone runs toward that direction. Now, the business strategy, you know, talks about the market, the opportunity, um, the need, the problem space that you're working within, and then how you're going to go about going after it. And from there to what you have, there's a gap where your current state and where you want to get to the desired future state, there's a gap. What the UX strategy sprint and UX strategy helps with is providing tangibility of how to get from where you are to that desired future state with your digital experience, whether that's um, you know an internal enterprise tool, whether that's a solution, uh, whether that's a uh, you know a a portal in the healthcare space, uh, a mobile app, et cetera. Um, so, you know, how you're going to get to the end goal with your business strategy is going to be some interaction with your customer, right? It's whether it's an employee, a, a consumer, a business uh, decision maker, et cetera. And that's where I feel like the UX strategy helps um, provide, ta- uh, provide them with a tangible plan. Uh, or a roadmap to get there. And there's a bunch of different things within that, but that's uh, how I would how I would say the UX strategy plays an important part uh, from a business perspective. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like, I, I love how you describe it. Uh, one of the things we talked about in um, when we were talking about this before was how important it is for, for those of us in UX to really kind of use the language of our business partners and product partners and the people that we are, you know, speaking to and, and trying to 
championing, you know, we're championing UX too. Like we need to use, adopt the business language Mm -hmm. that is kind of the majority of (laughs) the organization, right? Yeah. So that sort of gave a little bit of an overview of what a UX strategy, like what the end state might be. Should we talk about what a UX strategy sprint is? Yeah, we can. I can tell you the origin of it and then what it is. And it it's really nothing new in the sense that a UX strategy sprint that w- is what we call it is based on a design thinking framework. And um, it's really our approach to solving complex business problems within an organization um, using a structured approach uh, to discovery and research with the output being a tangible concept prototype with some recommendations and roadmap kind of high level. And how we we came to this is, you know, we started applying design thinking um, and lean UX methods probably around 2015 or so as an organization. And when Michael Wu joined our team and then became elevated into the director of UX role, he really was looking at how do we create more consistent outcomes uh, with our customers, with our clients that help them achieve their goals. And what we found was as we were looking at our client base, you had big wins and you had big misses sometimes. And it really depended on the organization you were working with, the individual that was the product owner or the, the project owner on the client side. There was a number of variables. And what our goal was, was really to figure out a way to find right fit clients and right fit projects to work on. If you think about it from a Simon Sinek, you know, start with why type perspective, if you can find the clients that believe your why and why you're doing things and have that same mindset, then um, your likelihood of being successful goes up. Your likelihood of your team enjoying that work goes up. You know, there's lots of of positives there. And so what we were finding is, um, you know, there was clients pushing back on discovery and research. Mm, Okay. Yeah. That also sounds really familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Internal teams, as well as agency teams, right? You'll see that they have a budget. um, They have a timeline. And ultimately, the beginning of the project, all the the work up front to get to the statement of work or to an agreement squeezes into that because the timeline seems to never move and the the budget seems to always shrink. You know, it's just one of those things. And um, that pushback kind of sounds like um, I gave you the BRD and I can answer all the questions that you have. Mm -hmm. You just ask me Mm -hmm. or it could be we know all the we know what the problem is. Uh, we just need someone to help us um, figure out how to fix it. Or um, we know what our customers want. Um, so we really don't really need to have you talk with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not say this, but the underlying bias is, you know, research will take too long. It'll cost too much and it'll only validate what we already know. Mm-hmm. So we don't really need to do it. Right. Um, or you hear, um, yeah, we did research a couple of years ago and we have all that information. We'll provide that to you before kickoff. Right. So that's a common theme that we we were hearing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we were running into is that clients want to fix bid for the design and build of the solution. So whether it's a mobile app or an enterprise tool or a, a portal, whatever it was, um, they want to have a all up bid for all the design and all the development work. But logically, you can't do a fixed budget with loose requirements, right? You need to know what the requirements are. And so ultimately what they're asking for is predictability and a plan, right? And if you take on a project like that without 
having the ability to uh, define the requirements and understand the, the end user or do some research, all the risk is on you as the team, uh, whether you're internal or external, because you're committing to a budget, you're committing to a timeline, and you're committing to an expectation of what that thing is going to be. And that expectation could be wildly different than what you're able to do, right? They may be expecting dinner at the canless and you're only able to afford, you know, uh, Chipotle, mm-hmm. if you will. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's kind of two totally different ends of the spectrum. The other thing that we started seeing out there um, as uh, the buzzword, you know, digital transformation became more and more popular and, and also the, the actual work of digital transformation became more, um, more popular is that um, design thinking efforts and d- digital transformation efforts were failing uh, because they were trying to boil the ocean. Mm. And the reason they fail, I think, is you're in, unable to create velocity and quick wins if you can't uh, identify what those quick wins are, mm-hmm. which takes a little bit of research and definition. Um, and then um, in leadership at the organization that you're working with, either you have no champion or no executive sponsorship or the leadership changes midstream and then the funding goes away, right? So those are just some observations that we had. So we took those observations and then we thought about what our beliefs are about how to, how to have a successful UX project, whether you're internal or external. And the beliefs that we have are, you know, research is important for a successful UX project. You know, when you do research, ideation becomes obvious. You find the real problems, so solutions become more evident. And the ideation phase actually becomes smaller because the problems identified early in the process, right? So research then becomes a scoping exercise um, because you actually are able to be more focused and, and um, reduce features uh, to have a higher impact. Um, the other belief that we have is that as a UX leader, whether you're internal or external, the thing that you're there to do is create value, not deliver artifact, deliverables and artifacts, right. right? When I first got in the industry, and you've been in the industry longer than me, but I remember we would create these humongous books of wireframes and right. deliver sure. that to the customer as part of the proof, right? And But really, if you think about it, what you're there to do is help provide actionable insights that they haven't been able to tease out themselves, um, help them get a better understanding of their customer, uh, end user, uh, organization, technical constraints, et cetera, provide that perspective. Um, you're brought in to uh, provide innovation or innovative solutions. Um, you're brought in to help them prioritize, you know, doing an impact versus effort exercise. It always seems to be an aha moment when you have a cross-functional team uh, in a workshop and they have all these features and function and things that they want to do. And you start putting some dots to it in terms of impact versus effort to help prioritize. Then all of a sudden the marketing folks realize, wow, that thing we're asking for from technology, no wonder they're pushing back. Or the technology people say this thing that they think is um, low on their priority because it's not the core system that they're working on. Uh, but then they all of a sudden realize that the customers really want that and that'll really move the needle for them. It helps them to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And being in UX, since you're sitting in the middle, you're the liaison and the translator and the mediator if if you're playing a strategic role. And then ultimately in UX, you're 
your biggest value is creating business outcome or uh, helping with the business outcomes, you, you know, cause ultimately that's, you're designing a product, a solution um, that's going to help the business achieve their goals and help your customers achieve their goals mutually. Right. Hopefully. So that all, that all saying how we got to doing a UX strategy sprint was uh, or de- defining or developing our approach as a UX strategy sprint is we were doing a lot of um, discovering and envisioning projects, but we realized that there was a need to do concept validation as part of that envisioning. And, um, and so adding in that concept validation is how we got to what we call a UX strategy sprint. So we look at it as a way to, to solve more complex problems. If, if you're looking at uh, testing a hypothesis uh, or testing a feature, you can do a design sprint, you know, something that's more along the lines of the Google Ventures uh, five-day sprint. As an agency doing it from the outside, it's a little harder to do it. It takes us, uh, we never say it's a five-day sprint because you have the intake and all those things that you do. It leads up to a five-day sprint. And I think that that's one thing that the uh, title misguides you on a little bit that you're going to get everything done in five days. Right. Well, and you still have to design the thing afterwards. Correct. Yeah. You're just getting validation on your hypothesis, right? So that's, that's kind of the evolution, how we got to formalizing what we call UX strategy sprint. And I can tell you a little bit about what one is. Um, yeah, let's do that. But just want to, I want to kind of circle back or just kind of sure. underline a couple of things that you said. The thing that you were talking about with the deliverables, right? Deliverables versus value. Um, mm-hmm. And the deliverables are still like critically important in UX um, and for whether you're a consultant or internal. But one of the things I want to point out there is that is kind of like a step level from a UX tactical practitioner to someone who is really a leader, right? And that might, that person might also be, you know, in the end delivering all the the stack of wireframes or uh, mocks or whatever. But but that point of that, just that understanding of we need to have the, the larger um, kind of not just vision, but we need to deliver to the business the value that they're looking for. And they don't necessarily know from all sides, which is kind of what U- UX is representing the business and the user. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to point that out because a lot of what I talk about on this podcast is about how do you move from being that tactical to the strategic. So, so what you were saying just leads right into that. So let's go ahead and move forward with, let's find out from you a little bit more about how someone would go about conducting one of these UX sprints and, and also how the sprint itself like differs from a design sprint. That's also pretty interesting to me. Yeah, it's based on the design thinking uh, framework. And so um, we took learnings from IDEO, from Stanford D School. We uh, took some learnings from that Google Ventures five-day sprint process and uh, other inputs, as well as lean UX methods. And, and then in doing these things, we had some a lot of learnings as well. Uh, of what was effective and what could be more effective and, and where where we had missed the mark. And so when you look at it, it's going to follow kind of that double diamond uh, model in terms of uh, uh, divergent thinking and convergent thinking, flaring and focus. 
And so typically a UX strategy sprint is going to take about somewhere between eight to 10 weeks, depending on uh, the size and scale of the problem you're trying to solve. It could be done faster and it could be, it could take longer. Um, and it's really, again, dependent on uh, the size and scale. So when you think of a sprint, um, you could think of the 100 yard dash, you could think of a 1500 meter, you could think of a 5k. There's, there's still a sprint that happens in there. It's just the races are longer, right? So it's a different kind of uh, training that happens for those athletes. But if you think about uh, just the process itself, there's uh, the steps, there's intake and research, there's a workshop, there's ideation and design, there's prototyping and testing, and then the North Star vision. And in the UX strategy sprint process that, that, that we've defined for our own team, um, the intake and research is critical for our team to get um, accelerated and ramped up and accelerated on the problem space. So it's really gathering in all the information from the customer that they have about their end users, about the problem that they're having, about the systems that are in place, et cetera. Looking at it again with those three circles in mind, right? the business, design, and um, technology, as well as the end user. Um, and then our team uh, prepares for the workshop. And so prior to COVID, we were doing these workshops in person. Uh, obviously during COVID, uh, we refined um, our, our uh, ability to do remote workshops and uh, have found that they're actually uh, as effective or more effective in terms of the work that gets done. The part that's um, less effective in a remote workshop is a lot of the uh, break time um, conversations that you would typically have if you were in person, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. thinking about the yeah. you know having coffee and there was a you read you read the room and there's a skeptic in the room and you get a chance to go talk to them during to start building that rapport or there's someone that said something that was really important um but they were more of a quiet personality and so you're trying to tease that out and so you have to there's some nuance mm -hmm. to doing it remotely um where you you have to set up some off offline conversations and things like that but typically a workshop is going to be two to three days, again, depending on the size and scale of the problem. And in the workshops, you know, you're going through activities, um, you know, uh, some examples would be like expert talks or long-term goals, um, how might we statements, sprint questions, um, journey mapping review, lightning demos, um, some solution sketches and dot voting, and, and then impact versus effort. And you know, obviously every workshop is going to be a little different depending on the problem that you're trying to solve and, and the audience that you're working with. Typically, we like to have the audience be about eight uh, cross-functional stakeholders, uh, key stakeholders. Um, and then we pull in experts um, for those expert talks. So you don't have to have 25 people in the whole workshop. You really need the core team. And, um, and then you pull in those other subject matter experts. And uh, the outcome from that um, is some decisions around uh, framing the problem, uh, aligning on the, the vision and what the North Star vision could be. Uh, uh, and then you move into doing the ideation and design. And for us, um, what we're trying to get to is a concept prototype that walks through a happy path, if you will, um, uh, for that primary uh, problem statement to get to uh, the North Star vision or, or to the desired future state. And the idea behind this whole thing is that we're trying to get to a high-level concept prototype that provides their executive team and their um, broader team uh, with 
um, tangibility, right? So if you think about design thinking, mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest, highest value outcomes you can create is tangibility. It's seeing, touching, and feeling what it could be. And um, that concept prototype allows us to do that. And then we take that and do some right testing or lightweight usability testing uh, with actual users uh, that would use this product tool uh, or app, whatever it is that we're helping them concept. And then iterating the design, incorporating their feedback, uh, if it's relevant and impactful, and then um, providing to them uh, an output. And so the outputs from this process are uh, a lightweight interactive concept prototype, or it could be more uh, built out if, if necessary. Um, we oftentimes provide a narrated video walkthrough of the concept prototype. Um, and the reason for that is um, the executive sponsor or the champion of the project um, may not be comfortable presenting the concept prototype um later on they may want us to do that and we may not be available so we found that having a narrated um video of that concept prototype um helps them to to spread the vision to socialize it without us having to be in every single meeting if we're not available to if we are available Mm -hmm. to we'd love to do that because being face-to-face is oftentimes really valuable for us and then the other output is a ux summary report uh, with research findings, workshop outcomes, a prioritized UX roadmap, and recommendations for next steps. And that, again, checks the box for them of having a plan and then being able to then mm-hmm. scope out the feature design work that needs to be done and the development work, sizing and scoping. And so yeah. um, this ultimately allows them to have more predictability um, and allows us to have uh, a better way to help them scope out the the project. Yeah, and in many ways, it, it's very much like a design sprint, but larger. It's gonna you're gonna end up with kind of yes. a phased approach. And um, I do want to mention that you have you have a couple of mm-hmm. kind of downloads that we're gonna make available to um, listeners of the podcast. And those actually are a great explanation of how you do this and how you explain the difference between the UX strategy, strategy sprint and uh, design sprint, which I found super helpful because that was kind oh, of, great. of my first questions when I, <laughs> when we talked about it, but uh, you know, before we completely wrap up, I just want to hear, I think it'd be really helpful to hear a little bit about the, what are the challenges that, that you've faced either? Like I'm interested in, in challenges you've faced with, um, selling this and and then challenges you've faced kind of during this process because it sounds like a longer process so it might have some challenges that are different from a design sprint um let's see so challenges with selling it i don't think it's the right approach for every problem and i don't think it's the right approach for every customer and so or every company Mm -hmm. and so um so I look for certain things, right? So if an organization is efficiency efficiency driven versus um, solution or innovation driven, this isn't a great approach because they're always going to be bucking the system. They're not going to trust the process. They're looking to get to an mm-hmm. end result really quickly. And they don't re- realize that slowing down allows them to speed up, right? So 
taking some time to uh, really define the problem and the 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 vision and the plan, um, even though you already think you have the plan in place or the strategy in place, but validating that with end users and then and then running fast forward. Uh, there's certain cultures and certain organizations that that just wasn't won't work for. Mm-hmm. If the point of contact um, that I'm interacting with is closed or open, meaning uh, if they're open to ideas or if they think they have all the answers, then that's a good indicator of whether or not this is a good fit for them. Um, same with the internal design team. You know, sometimes they feel threatened uh, when an outside uh, consultancy comes in. And I think for them, they just need to understand that our goal isn't to take their job. It's to help set the plan and uh, enable them to to be more impactful. As long as they're part of the part of it, right? Yeah, yeah we'd love to have them be part of it. Um, and it yeah. actually teaches some new skills. It, if we do it right, it actually edifies them and their importance to the yeah. organization. And yeah. um, that's a big part of the process is if they are growth mindset open to that, then then it's a great fit. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, some other things are, you know, does the executive sponsor have juice? I call it, you know, in the organization, <laughs> uh, you know, they knew <laughs> they have impact, um, you know, uh, or or is this kind of a Hail Mary? Hey, you know, nothing's worked. We got to try something. Well, you know, you have to trust the process. So there's some credibility that has to be there as well. Um, and then, you know, just understanding a compelling reason to do it now. And, you know, what's the potential material impact on their business that they're looking to accomplish. So if you can understand those types of things, then getting buy-in for it and selling it, the, the idea of it becomes more, becomes easier, I think. Mm-hmm. I think during the process, um, you know, some of the challenges that you might face are um, not not setting the expectations and the guidelines, right? So, as the organization, if you're internal or as the consultancy, you have to you have to kind of set the the tone. You know, you're leading them through a process, um, and designers are really good at asking questions, um, and sometimes aren't as good at saying, okay. We, we have some answers and here's what we recommend we do. Here's what we need to do, you know? And so mm. setting the expectation and the guideline that they need to, you know, trust the process. We know what we're doing. We've done this before. We're going to walk you through the process. And um, during the workshop that your participation is important, you know, your role and perspective has mm-hmm. been selected for a reason. So when you're here, show up, right? Be involved, be engaged, be intentional. Yeah. And then that the workshop is all about focus, you know, no multitasking emails, checking the news, looking at Twitter, all that stuff. It's put your devices down and let's get to work in a creative way. And, mm-hmm. um, and then have an open and growth mindset, you know, no ideas are bad ideas. And actually what's come out of this is in a lot of organizations where the teams are kind of siloed. And there may be some water under the bridge or some fractured relationships or some things like that. What we found is during the expert talks and during the ideation uh, or the the brainstorming that happens during the um, workshops, a lot of times that empathy that's really created is peer to peer. You know, it's um, in design thinking, there's always this talk about empathy for the end user. And I think the big issue within a lot of organizations is empathy for each other, right? (laughs) Oh, the technical constraint is really why we're not doing this. 
it's not because that IT leader guy or the engineering leader gal or guy is just not letting me do what I want to do. It's that there's a constraint or, you, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. uh, the empathy. What we've seen is it, it, the team building aspect of it is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're talking to folks cross-functionally. Yeah. And they actually have some aha moments about, wow, I didn't realize it was that hard to do your job. You know, <laughs> no wonder it takes so long to get this thing done or, you know, things like that. So yeah. um, those are some of the challenges, I think. And, um, and then in terms of selling the idea um, of doing a UX strategy sprint or doing design thinking, just really understanding what the problem is that they're trying to solve, uh, what the outcome is they're trying to achieve, making sure that there's an executive sponsor, and, and then understanding what the motivation is, what's in it for that person, um, if this mm-hmm. succeeds or fails, and then finding a champion and what's in it for that person if it succeeds or fails. And so understanding all those things really helps to um, position whether or not this is the right approach. And once you believe it's the right approach, it's easy to to sell the idea because you're providing them with a proven way to do things. Sure. Um, I'm curious if uh, something that I hear from other folks a lot, um, this question about, okay, so we've got this you were talking about an executive sponsor. Oftentimes in a design sprint, you know, you're you're often trying to figure out who should be in the room. I'm sure the same is is got to be true with this UX strategy sprint. And since it's something that's much bigger and more visionary, and and you're often trying to sell this kind of at a high level so that they can get buy-in from other directors or you know uh, C-suite folks, those voices, you know, that person, that executive sponsor, and maybe others need to be in the room. And how are you balancing that, you know, kind of the, the big voice Mm -hmm. with the creative thinkers, the, the designers, the researchers, the, um, you know, just kind of the workers (laughs) in marketing and product and, uh, development. Tell me a little bit about that, how you're balancing that in something that is strategic and Mm -hmm. visionary. I think that that's a lot of the pre-work that happens before the workshop. And so to actually get a commitment on an engagement like this, if you're not talking to that executive level person about the process and what the outcomes are, you're not setting the stage for them to understand what, what it is that they're signing off on. And then they walk into a workshop and they're like, wait a second, this is way below me. Right. The importance for them to be there is to show that this is super important. This is so important that that person up at that level is engaged. Then also with the individual contributors that are part of the workshop, it's setting the tone for them to understand the purpose of it and what they're there for. For the people that are in management, people that are running a certain element of the project, you know, a lot of it is that pre-work, that coaching in terms of setting those expectations. Um, and what I've seen just in projects in general, most, most times people are running from meeting to meeting and that pre-work isn't done. And so they're walking in, not knowing what the meeting's about, what the expectation is, what's expected of them. They're not prepared. And so we do, we do some pre-work with the, with the client. They have some homework in advance so that they all come in on a level playing field. So that's how, that's how we do it. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. Something about working from home, everybody working from home Mm -hmm. has really reduced 
kind of those side chats in the kitchen and that sort of thing. And so I think it's been harder to make those pre-meeting meetings because everything has to be a meeting, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it takes effort. It does. It takes a lot of effort to make sure that everybody is ready for this. So it's really going to be successful when you, when you start getting cross-function as well as, you know, maybe you're getting a vice president or even CMO or CPO, somebody involved at that level. Yeah. And the executive sponsor may not participate in the whole workshop. Mm -hmm. That person may be there at the beginning to set the tone, might be there in the middle to check in or, or whatever. Right. And it's, it's all situational in terms of um, how we would work with them to plan that out. The other thing though, is with the hybrid work environment, you know, one thing that I've seen not work and and we've recommended against is there's a group of three or four people in a conference room and then everyone else is remote. Mm. Just have everyone be remote. Mm -hmm. Meaning they can be in their offices at the office, Mm -hmm. but they're on their own desktop. They're not sharing a TV screen and all that. Yeah, there's definitely less involvement from the folks who are not there when you've got a bunch of people in the room. I just literally (laughs) saw that happen like two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the new world that we have to work in. Right. So we have to adapt Mm -hmm. and and lead that. But yeah, I mean, those are the those are the big things, I think. And then I from a selling the idea perspective, you know, if you're an internal team uh, and want to try this new approach, right, then you know, you may want to bring in an outside perspective to help lead the first one or two. Uh, and then you glean what works and what doesn't work within your organization. And you kind of adapt it to your own, own way of doing things. And that's how we really, that's how we really created this was by adapting those methods to how, what works best for us and the type of client that we want to work with. And then if you're an influencer and not, not like uh, maybe the, the champion or the owner of it, you know, those resources like Lee was talking about, um, our guide to UX strategy sprints or the comparison between a design sprint and a UX strategy sprint, or just even setting up a conversation with us is, is a great way to kind of at least get your thoughts crystallized before you pr- propose the idea internally. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great segue <laughs> as we wrap this up. Um, want to make sure that people can know that they can find these things at the uptopcorp.com website, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So just how can people find out more about running a successful UX strategy sprint, uh, kind of specifically, where should they go to find these things? Um, so if you go onto the uptopcorp.com website, uh, under the resources, um, tab, there's uh, downloads, um, and we have a ebook, uh, UX strat- a guide to UX strategy sprints. Uh, in our services page, there's a description that has the comparison. And then um, back in 2019, we had launched uh, UpTop Health as a, a division that's focused on creating effortless digital experiences for healthcare payers, providers, and their patients. And we've done a bunch of content uh, on on the uptophealth.com website. Uh, including a webinar about do, running uh, UX strategy sprints. And um, it's focused on healthcare, but um, no matter what industry you're in, the process really does work. It's We've done it across professional services, technology, software, um, distribution, and healthcare organizations. 
and uh, the difference is just really the the internal politics and, and nuances and uh, <laughs> legacy systems and technical debt and all those types of things, depending on which industry you're in. So, so on the UpTop Health uh, website, there's a lot of fresh content there about um, UX strategy sprints as well. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Craig. This has been fun and informational. Yeah. Thanks, Lee. It's great, great uh, being with you. Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please rate it and subscribe. Tell others what you liked about it. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX cake on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you for listening and sharing the UX cake.